Yes, hello, folks. Welcome to the Weekly Matches Needed Show. I'm your host, as always, Phil Brown, joined with my regular co-host, the fantastic Cal McGuigan. Back for another round of verbal joystick, I'm sure. Uh, mind you, I'm in a much better mood this week because I did not watch any game this weekend. <laughs> Uh, and uh, lots of things to talk about, obviously. Um, turning our sights more to beyond the game reactions to more of the talking points around the Manchester United at the moment. Um, so lots of things to talk about. First of all, how you doing, Calm? Hi, all good, mate. Good to be back. Had a, a brief week off there. I was away on holiday, so you were back with a, the unbelievable Martin Wallwork. So um, that Aye. went great for you. It's great to have Martin back. Um, and, uh, we'll have Martin back from time to time whenever... Schedule permits, but that last thing to talk about today, uh, of course, uh, it seems like it goes from bad to worse one week, bad week after another. Uh, trying to digest that early in Holland and trying to look for a negative. I'm trying to convince myself there's a negative that signing, and I'm not sure there is. Uh, unbelievable signing a team that uh, is on the verge of winning the league, a team that uh, is, I mean. It's difficult for us to admit that, but marriage ahead of Manchester United, making the signings Manchester United used to make, almost reminds me of the Van Nistelrooy signing, and that everyone else used to be envious over, and uh, trying really hard to be positive about this summer, but I have to admit, I really think that given that United have so many needs, I really don't expect proven world-class players. I think United will try to spread that out over three or four positions, and um, try to make that money stretch and try to buy younger players. And uh, We'll get into what that means in a minute. Uh, lots of other things. Let's talk about the Brighton game for just a moment. Um, like I said, I, I had uh, I had a major event on Saturday that I had to attend to with my children, so I wasn't able to watch it. I have to be honest, I, I recorded the match. I was going to go home and watch it. And as per usual, I've had about 300 messages from people telling me the score. But you know what's funny about it? It annoyed me at the time because I'm like, do you really think that if you don't inform me of this, there's no one going to know? And I had people messaging me saying, um, "Oh my, you know, bright score." If I if some if I'm going to text somebody about an event, sporting event, the very first question I ask is, "Have you watched it?" Because people don't always watch these things in life in real time. And there was people who text me. I'm not going to name them. Uh, one of the first things I said to them when they told me everything had happened was, thanks, I was on my way home to watch that. And the response was, LOL, I saved you the, the trouble. With it once thinking, oh my God, I'm so sorry, I didn't mean to ruin all that, because what I assumed was, if I didn't give you a play-by-play breakdown of this game, you would have no other way of finding out. It's like, please, if you, if you <laughs> want to text me about a fight or about a match, I can't, we have friends in that are professional boxers, right? And I text them about fights. And I always started with, did you see that fight? Right? To give someone the opportunity of saying, I'm about to watch it. And you know how many times that's come back to me? No, I haven't seen it. Just about to watch it. Mm-hmm. Right? See, to be fair, I, I do that with boxing. But seeing football, I, I just I couldn't watch anything. It isn't live. To be honest, I can't even do it with boxing. But sometimes whenever the... I'm too tired and it's five in the morning and my eyes are half shut. I have to watch it the next day. But see, with football, I know you're different because you're the time zone you're on, but I physically couldn't watch a United game after it's well, live. Like, even if I'm 10 minutes behind, I'm freaking out. Well, listen, when you get older and you have children, you'll find yeah. out your priorities change. 
And whenever you have children that have major milestone life events, and it comes down yeah. to between watching that and watching Manchester United, who haven't turned in a performance all season, pick your children. Never do that. Never don't never pick anything else. I was like that whenever I didn't have kids. Not watching Manchester United live was an impossible thought to me. Time difference or not, but he does none of that matters. What matters is consideration for other people, right? Whatever your life is, that's fine. But someone else's life isn't that. There may be a million good reasons why someone can't watch an event live. So don't assume that, they, that they've watched it and don't assume that without your deep analytical breakdown, they wouldn't find out any other way. So I know this is a big thing for lots of sports fans, but if you're going to text somebody about an, about an event, please ask the question first, have you watched it? Now, in the answer, <laughs> I, I, I got over it quickly because I'm like, I'm, I'm glad in some sense I didn't watch it, right? And glad in some sense I was spurred. But not that. But 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 that's not my issue. My issue is, what if you had a one four now? I would have been livid if someone had told me that, right? Livid. And um, so anyway, Brighton terrible result, terrible performance by all accounts. Um, you know, so I'm calm. One of the things that uh, I take from all of this is I have no long, I no longer have any expectations in the games. But what I'm taking from this is the people in charge of Manchester United, the people who's responsible for making sure you have a competitive football team on the pitch to make sure the people that you bring in, the employees that you hire, buy into your philosophy 100%, even 90%. What they see on the field is professional, supposed professional footballers, who couldn't care less, right? And I'm saying to myself, the people responsible for this should also be marched out of this football club tomorrow morning and not given another opportunity to rebuild for the fourth or fifth time. Because we are not in a situation where we can't match City anymore. Right? We're not trying to match City. We don't have the money to match City. Right? Had that money been invested properly, with the proper football structure, and they had had they not ignored every single piece of professional advice that were given by football people, United wouldn't be in this position. They're in this position through rank ineptitude and their refusal to listen to people that know what they're talking about. And I will say this: when Mourinho said time has spoken, time has spoken. And now we're saying Ralph Ranick was a disaster. So the replacement manager from the replacement managers is a disaster now too. But the same people are going to pick and pick, pick, pick another manager. I understand where, where you're coming from on that, right? But I, I want to pick on something that's really, really pissed me off over the past couple of weeks, and it's Edison Cavani. Because like we think about everything that it means to be a Manchester United player and how many players have been and gone at our club and the fans have taken them. And we, as fans, have specifically backed Edison Cavani to the hills. Like I, I've actually never seen a player act like he's been backed but yet act like he has so over the past six months he's been a well to say the least like he's, he's he's turning up for uruguay and he's not turning up for united and the past couple of weeks ranik is throwing him in why is he throwing him in ahead of granacho why is he throwing him in against uh, ahead of some of these kids that we could be given maybe that kids aren't good enough. to huh maybe the kids aren't good enough maybe they're not 
but but even at that, we're all, we're all kids good enough whenever we're giving them a chance at the early start of their career. There's nothing for us to play for. No, 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 no. Not all those kids are at the same level. Some of those kids are good enough to play. That's why they get the opportunity. But maybe Garnacho is not ready. Maybe he's not ready to be leading the line for Manchester United at, at, at 17 years of age. Yeah, but I'm talking about coming off the bench for 10 minutes because what that's what Cavani got at the weekend. Uh, well, I forget exactly how long he come, got. I'm not worried about 10 minutes. Right? It's irrelevant. Edison Cavani is quite clearly uh, picking his games. Edison Cavani picked his games last season. Rania came out the other day and said he wanted a striker in January and then said no. Whose fault is this again? No, here, and, and I agree with you on that, but then that goes to the board at that level because if we're saying no, so uh, what we've heard from, from Rannick is he identified a couple of strikers. Um, Vlahovic, he identified. Who was the other one he said he identified? Yeah, yeah. even after Alvarez, he said he wanted to do like the Alvarez too. Here's, here's the thing. Well, there, was someone, there was someone else though. He said he liked Vlavic, uh, Alvarez, and um, I can't even remember the other one. But here, it's irrelevant. He was talking about getting somebody on loan and stuff. Here's the thing. We talked about this on the show uh, back then. Why weren't you needed in for Vlavic when they quite clearly needed a striker? Right? And if, Ranyar, if Ralph Ranić is going to have a contributing voice to how you need to go forward, right? and, it's, and his consultancy role is serious, right? Then why wouldn't you listen to him? Why would and actually the other ones just came to me, Luis Diaz. Why did we oh, not yeah, listen to Ranick at that point? Why did we not say, you know what, we've brought this guy in as a consultant? He his job at the moment is the money to said, but also his job is recruitment, get players in, give us an idea. He's done it before, hasn't he? At Leipzig. He's done it before at Salzburg. Why Why was he not given that free reign? Is it because they said, no, we need to make sure that we don't make this mistake again. And in the summer when we appoint Ten Hag, we need to make sure that he buys into the philosophy of the player that we're going to sign. Is that why? No. What is? You know, I'll tell you why it was. Right? Uh, it's very, very simple. United looked at Ranjik and said, he's not going to be here in six months. We're not giving this manager money to spend that we don't have anymore. This is why it's absolutely laughable to hear about Harry Kane and Declan Rice and everything. It's just insanity. You need to don't have anywhere near that money to spend. Near it. And you need it. I am telling you right now, Colin, you can record and repeat this podcast at the end of the transfer window. The biggest thing you will make this summer will be someone like a Darwin Nunez. And the rest, and our United fans will get excited about this, will be young players that are nowhere near the level yet to compete with Man City. Then comes problem number two. Making sure these players develop into the players that we hope they would be, which United have done a truly atrocious job of doing for a long time. So... United are littered with young players that never realise their potential. That they can't even get rid of Anthony Marshall being one of them. I mean, they have to let players go on a free, basically, to get rid of them. And so the question then becomes, you, when you buy potential, Paul Pogba was bought as potential, never realised it. Then you have to have a structure in place to make sure young players realise that potential. And some of it's down to them. 
some of it's down to the club. And it also requires you to have, if you look at Liverpool, a, a coherent structure, uh, strict parameters that you cannot go outside. There is no exceptions. There is no, well, yeah, I know he's not behaving, but he's worth about 70 million a year commercially. So we'll, we'll make an exception here because once that start, starts happening, then it comes down like a house of cards. Now, if you look at Ferguson, Ferguson left Sandbites, right? There's a lot of things that, that you can call the question. We now want to create a parcel that they had under Ferguson without actually listening to him. And one of the basic tenets is once someone becomes bigger than the manager, the club's dead. Well, that rule number one has never been kept. Never. So it's okay saying, I want to be great, but I'm not willing to do the things it takes to be great. I'm not willing to adhere to certain structures. See, the problem is at United, the manager no longer is king. Cash is king. And so this is what I'm saying to you right now. And I want to say this too, because we talked about Edward on the show. Now that Edward has gone, do you think all the problems that Edward Bird was accountable for are gone with him? Not necessarily, no. Okay, but I, think, not I think, Well, I think with the structure, there's inevitably going to be change. So whenever you make a structural decision, like Edward were leaving, there's going to be a structural change and that is going to have an impact. Like I've said on this, Edward Woodward, in my opinion, is part blame. There's no way you, oh. you can wash his hands and say he's nothing, nothing to do with it. He has a lot, a lot of input into what went wrong. So without his input, I'm hoping, like I, I'm being hopeful here as a hopeful United fan that things get better. And I'm with you on the fact that there's so much structurally wrong at the club that it's going to take time. And I get that and I understand it. However, with the main fulcrux of the problem being Ed Woodward, that's that's a fact. You you, you tell fact. me it's it's not. Uh, to do you, with him. Well, it's no, no, no. If it's a fact, prove that fact to me. Because you've just the, the used fact is, is that he was the one. Yeah, but he was the one that signed off some of these transfers. He's the one that that ultimately. Okay, you say he's a puppet for the for the Glazers, which I agree with. But he didn't run to the Glazers with every single problem and say, by the way, Malcolm Joel, can you tell me any any of these uh, issues here? Can you tell me if this is okay? He never once probably done that. No, he let me made tell the you. decisions no, no, based absolutely. on his own back. Come. When the Glazers took over Manchester United, there was article after article from American sports reporters that said, this is who you got. These are people that took over companies that fought with their employees over the price of spray paint. These are people that bought companies, walked in, sacked people. They said, I've been here 30 years. You've worked for me for one day. Out. This is how these people work. So the idea that they're not involved in major transfers or he wasn't bringing that to them is insanity. Secondly, if he wasn't doing what exactly what he was supposed to be doing, he'd have been sacked. Thirdly, because the Glazers love money more than they love anything else. He would not have been the most pay, highest paid executive in the league. So clearly, clearly, and he, was, and he didn't get sacked, he resigned. Right? Clearly, Ed Woodward was running that football club exactly how he was told to. For, for me, 
like we can go around in circles on this, but for me, he has a part blame. You can dress it up however mm. you want, and I agree with you that the Glazers are the main blame. So what However, is it to blame I'm never, for? I'm, I'm never, ever, ever going to take any of that away from Ed Woodward. I don't know what it is that you think what gets is it Ed to blame Woodward for? off the hook as such. No, yeah? no, I'm asking you. It's not, it's not my job to prove my innocence. Should sure, job to prove guilt. What is he guilty for that is not a direct consequence of the Glazer ownership? Okay, let me let me turn it around. As, no, as, no, as I mean, no, 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 just answer the, the question. What, 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 what's, what's he done good? No, what's no, no. Again, you're asking, you're putting, the, you're putting the burden of proof on me. You're the one making the no. claim. Tell me what he's responsible for. He's responsible for, for, first of all, some of the managerial oversights that we've seen. So some of the changes. Mourinho famously once said, leading Manchester United to the position that we were in was the greatest achievement of his career, potentially. Uh-huh. Right. And what, and what did he say about the Glazers? He, he, what did he say about the Glazers whenever he took over? How great they were well, and how he met with them and how before he got hired he had to meet with Joel. Well, but what does that tell you? That well, that tells, tells you, that, you that they were involved in the process and signing off on it. Of course, mate. Of course okay. they're going to be involved in the process. However, okay. the box stops with Ed Woodward. He was the one putting the strings. Mm-mm. He was the one that decided, yes, he's out, he's in. That signing, yes, okay. That signing, no. There, there's, so, there's so many, huh? I mean, I'm telling you this. If Edward were turned around tomorrow <clears throat> and said, you know what? Fuck the Glazers. Right? I'm going to run this football club like a football club. And I'm not going to prioritize profit. And I'm not going to perform according to the incentives that they've given me. I'm going to run this exactly like RB Leipzig or something like that. How long would he have lasted for? But he's not a football man. That's well, forget what about that. This is a thought experiment, Colin. How long would he have lasted for? I'm not too sure. because He would have been sacked on the spot. Businesses are run from the top down. Every single time. No exceptions. What you see in a business behavior is sculpted from the very top. Those who have authority, those who have the ability to incentivize, those who have the ability to sack people. That's what determines the success and failure of a business. And if you don't have strict control parameters from the very top, your business can't be successful, okay? So what they did, everything starts there. They are the architects. They are the ones that say, this individual suits me perfectly because this individual exhibits the traits and characteristics exactly what I want this business to be run as. So can I ask you a question? Are you saying there's no way that you would ever attribute any of the blame of the past, say, the past eight years of how United have been run to Edward? I would say that what this is equivalent is like blaming your computer on porn. That's the the most bizarre. No, 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 no. What I'm saying is the computer does what you tell it to do. Okay, you can be pissed off at the computer if you want, but Ed Woodward was carrying out instructions. He'll tell you that himself. So will anybody inside the football club. Look, Jose Mourinho turned around in the States and said that the Glazers love Anthony Marshall and won't sell him. Right? Now, they, if you sit with the likes of uh, Riola's agency, Right, and listen to how involved they are. Come, they're involved in everything. Every single decision that that football club makes, I can assure you 
Uh, if you're going to fight over the cost of spray paint, you are not sitting in Florida with your feet up going, must you spend the day eating my own pot on, on who? Pot who? Pot, pot, pot. Yeah. No worries, mate. Crack on that. <laughs> it doesn't happen. Right? They are involved, and it's this what anyone will tell you this inside the football club. Okay? Now, I'm not saying they micromanage him with every decision. Right? And please let me say this. I'm not saying Edward Woodward's a great guy. I'm not saying that if left to his own devices, he'd have run the football club completely differently. But you don't get an Edward Woodward without the Glazers. And the problems that Ed Woodward was, was responsible for won't leave with him because it comes from above him. You want to fix the problem, you start at the root. Okay? That's where the problem is. So if you don't like the apples that are coming off a tree, you don't just cut the apple off. You're going to get another apple. Exactly the same one. You take it out from the root. It's the only way to fix the problem. So this is my point on that. And Manchester United, not a coincidence. Since Ferguson left, forget about David Gill. Since Ferguson left, that football club has gone torpedoed. Now, that is a direct result of how that football club is run. That's exactly what you're being told by Gary Navo, by anyone else who, who obviously has clear, close connections inside the football club. So until that changes, you know, if you look at any other club, Chelsea weren't successful or failed because of Marina Gavskaya. Now, they were successful because of their owner. She is a consequence of the owner. Okay, so let me let me flip this. Daniel Levy at Spurs. Would you say none of his success at Spurs has been down to him? I would say that Daniel Levy's done more to hold Spurs back than anyone else. But Joe Lewis runs that owns that football club from Enoch. Daniel Levy gets a reputation of being a hard bargainer, but Daniel Levy has done more damage to Spurs than anyone else. <laughs> but again, he's a direct result of how Joe Lewis runs that football club. That's how they want to run. I'm not privy to the conversations you've you've had with people, and well, I, I know I someone that knows that Daniel Levy's son very, very well. And I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking about Woodward too, and I, I obviously haven't haven't got the the knowledge of some of the conversations you've had. However, in my opinion, Ed Woodward has a forty percent blame, while the Glazers have a sixty percent blame, and that's my opinion on it. And I know oh. plenty of people listening will disagree with me and back you on this, but I just think that Ed Woodward has a lot to answer for. He, I can't okay, tell what's you the one lot? thing he done good at this whole time. What's the I lot? Can't, I can't. Well, tell he's got a lot. What is the lot? Well, give, me, give me three of them. That he would, that what, wouldn't happen without the Glazers. It's it's not that it wouldn't happen without the Glazers, that he let it happen. This but it's not up to him. Round of, it's not up managers. to him. He, told, he is told what to do. He so you don't think the... any of his decisions were his own decisions? So what, what, what's own, it all no? about being... Huh? Not solely his own, no. So who, who was involved in these decisions? So, for example... Well, you'll okay. give me a couple of decisions. You said he's responsible for a lot. Give me a couple. Okay, getting rid of Moyes so early. You don't think David Moyes should have been sacked? I think... And by the way, we were Glazers were entitled to that because he was sacked the minute they, they didn't qualify for the Champions League. And I called it a week earlier because I knew. But carry, carry yeah, on. Yeah, but, but, but in, in my opinion, he should have been given time. And I'm not just saying that with the... 
with the hindsight mm. of looking at how he's done it at West Ham and stuff. But I even said at the time he should have been given time because if we were going on the fact, look at how Ferguson first started at United, everything, it's not going to be an easy process. So yeah, whenever for every Ferguson, goal, there's a million failures. For every Pep Guardiola, there's a million failures. Everyone uses that one example as an exception to the route. Right? Just because Alex Ferguson started out poorly and became successful doesn't mean every other manager starts out poorly will become successful. David Moyes had completely underestimated the size of Manchester United. The job was way too much for him. He started out terribly. You know, he went for a walk on Bonsai Beach, had to get the players to run and hide in a restaurant. Right? So this is a guy, same guy who stopped the Tony Cruz sign, who stopped the Thiago sign. <laughs> Right. Now, maybe one thing he did get right was his refusal to sign Pogba because he didn't like how many clubs Pogba had had. Didn't feel all, 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 I'd say time has proved him right. But uh, there is nothing in that team that says David Moyes deserved more time. David Moyes was so indecisive. Right? I, I distinctly remember the Everton fans saying, stuck with Moyes, stuck with Moyes, Man United. Right? And after that, Right. He gets sacked from every job he had. So, many, how many jobs did he have in between? Uh, Real Sociedad, I don't know, four, three or four. So, he gets sacked from all. So, um, now he's done for the last two years. But no, no, he has done for the last I'm not basing it on, on that hindsight because that, that would be wrong with me. I'm just he, saying at the time. What he's done with West Ham is exactly what he did with Everton. And on the fringes of the top six, that's not a United manager. Okay, so see, see now the way you're basing. So here, here's one. So you're basing your opinion on on uh, Edward Ward and the Glazers' relationship. So would you say now with Richard Arnold, um, at the helm with the Glazers still there, that these decisions this summer is all down to the Glazers and and Arnold's just a puppet, well, or would you say no, that's no, not no. changed? I would say that um, when you listen to Ralph Rangnick. Right, and that's and we have to be really careful here about attributing major change to United because we haven't seen it yet. When you listen to Ralph Ranyuk say the changes that need to be made are more than cosmetic. Now, again, we had talked about this in this podcast about a week before he said that, and this is what I'm saying, right? So, if you move the furniture around in the house, right, you haven't changed anything. What needs to change at United is major structural change about how they incentivize their players, how they incentivize their employees, and what really matters to them, right? Because I honestly believe cruising altitude for Glazers, they'd be more than happy with top four every season, right? They don't really care whether United win trophies or not. They don't really care. Be great if they do. Same people, was it, two weeks ago, said the greatest thing in sports is winning the Vince Lombardi. Right. Um, so they're also in the NFL. When you win the trophy, when you win the Vince Lombardi, who's the first people to get the trophy? Yeah, the owners. The owners. Doesn't happen in football. Right. These are people that since 2005 haven't done a single interview. They released an open letter, which to me is bullshit. Worthless. Open ladder. Why didn't you do an interview? Why didn't you sit and take questions? They won't even take a damn question. So the question is, are they going to find a different way to thread the needle 
because it ultimately all roads lead to the same thing. How much am I making? And that's the only parlance they care about, right? So you can restructure that whole football club if you want. As long as it results in the same thing, we get our dividends, we make money. But if you restructure that football club in a way that doesn't lead to that, you're sacked. You'll be gone. Okay, so so to- toxic here, right? We're, this is just hearsay. We don't know anything in terms of budgets and stuff. Ten Hag's given $200 million, right? Mm-hmm. Do you think every single signing Ten Hag goes to Richard Arnold with the Glazers are the ones signing it off? I'm saying over my children's life, that's true. Well, then structurally, we've still got the same problem going well, on. No, no, because it's it, not necessarily. If they sign off on the signings, right? I mean, they've signed off on some garbage, right? But when you saw last week coming out, that story coming out saying Edward was renewing contracts because he felt it improved their resale value. You think that was Edward we're doing that on his own? Well, again, like, you, you don't go... I, in my opinion, these people making these decisions aren't football people who, one, don't understand the market, two, don't understand the individuals, mm-hmm. and three, have no idea if this is a good signing or a bad signing because they've never that. watched football in their lives. I wouldn't dispute any of that, but that's a, different, that's a different point. I'm saying that when you are renewing contracts, you're renewing wages, right? So your debt income to wage ratio constantly changes. You don't think the Glazers are signing off on that? In my opinion, they shouldn't be because they... Whether they shoot in the shooting is a different point. Decisions. It's a totally different point. I agree. Right? But these are people that don't think like you and me. Nor do they care what you and I think. So I can absolutely assure you, right? Anything over five million, you're calling the glazers. They're going to give you budgets to run certain departments without having to call them in every single decision because it's just utterly impossible, right? But those are micro decisions, right? They don't really affect anything, right? Your department gets this budget. So if your press secretary makes 50,000 a year and you want to give her 60, I don't care. But when you're talking about a footballer going from 40,000 a pound a week to 200,000 pound a week, you bet your balls are involved in that. You bet your that's where down. that's where we have to change. That's where there has to be a change. But that it, won't it change. It can't just. It can't be the continuous, the continued on. Oh, it's a different guy in the seat, so it's all going to change with the same, the same routine and the same things going on. It's never going to change. Well, so how can the Glazers, who have no idea about football, genuinely have no clue about football, even the business? That's not side a football, of football decision. That's understand. a business decision. Yeah, but even the business side of football, they don't understand either. Mm. Clearly. They understand they business. They understand. They business. understand business, but they don't understand business in football. What's Quite the difference? Different. Well, the the difference is is that they don't know the the market ability of United sending an Edson Alvarez from from Ajax. They don't know how commercially that's going to impact United. Are you telling me they do? Because they certainly don't. They don't know who he is from Adam. No, no, no. That's not the, what they're looking at. What they're looking at is the data that gets presented in front of them. Right? It says. How much is this guy? How much are we paying for this guy? How much over a certain period of time? And as far as monetization goes on, some of them are obvious, right? So you don't yeah. need to know the nuance of football to know that Cristiano Ronaldo is going to be a marketing machine, 
of course. You, but what what's the point in, in Richard Arnold being in that role? And surely what they should have done was, do you know what? We don't need Edward. Word. Let's just make our decision. You think Richard Arnold just as just, you tell me, you've been doing that before. They've been doing that before, anyways. Richard Arnold isn't just in there to sign players. Richard Arnold's in there to do deals with Adidas. Richard Arnold's in there to do deals with sponsors. Richard Arnold's in there to of course, do But all... if you're telling me ultimately they sign off everything, why are they not just doing it themselves? What's the point? Because they only a puppet. Because there's a massive difference between doing the work and signing off on the work. That's why. I mean, well, I, I, come to me. The, this is just going to be a continuous vicious circle. Well, let me ask you: Why don't the why don't why doesn't the owner of um, I don't know why doesn't why doesn't the owner of a cleaning company do the cleaning themselves? Because yep. they don't want to. We're, we're not talking. We're not talking about. A but I'm talking company. about we're how a business operates. Any business, right? My boss doesn't go out and do my sales calls. I do. Why? Because he'd be the most expensive salesperson in the history of the company. This guy's paid a couple of hundred dollars an hour. They're not sending him out to do menial work. His value somewhere else, right? His skill set. I understand is, that, but we're, but we're not just talking about a business. We're talking about a specific business in football, which these people do not care have about any football. clue about football. I don't care about football. They don't care about football. They don't care. You can't just base your decisions on. But that's exactly what they have been. That's exactly what well, they have been doing. That's and obvious. this is what I'm telling you. This is what's going wrong. It's, it's, calm. it's, it's not that it's going wrong. This is a, what I've said, and we can move on from this topic. What we see at Manchester United isn't an accident. It's a direct result of how the, the Glazers have told the football club to be run. And this has been said ad nauseum on just about every major uh, broadcast platform. This is not an accident. This is happening because of what we opened this show with. One, they refuse to listen to anyone who talks about football because that's not their priority. Two, as we've said before, they see the strength of Manchester United and the value of their brand. Right? They don't think that brand is massively affected by short-term things like results, because results constantly change, right? So you need to get hammered one week and go out, to, go out and win the next week, especially with the internet as it is. All people remember is the last 90 minutes. That's what they base their opinions on everything, right? But do you not think at the moment, currently, we're being affected commercially because of the performances? Oh, I'm the sure they are. Because, because of, not, of not qualifying for Champions League. Oh, so do you not no think that they, they need to go out? They, they need to go out this summer and spend big to reinvest no, in the squad regardless. Do they? Sure. Well, they... Come then, every then, time they... Take a look at how they, they do business, right? See, you don't even need to be an in-the-know, right, at Manchester United to predict what comes next because it's just a simple extrapolation of logic. And if you look at all the antecedents to how United get where they are, it's really easy to predict what they're going to do next because it's a pattern and they do it all the time. Again, not an accident. You need to get the top four. What? They don't feel the need to spend. They lose momentum. Every time a United manager in the last six, five, six years has finished top second, right? They get sacked the following season. Solskjaer gets sacked the following season after he finished second. So did Mourinho. Mourinho had an extremely frustrating season. He needed time, he needed to finish second because he didn't get the players that he wanted, that he needed. Solskjaer complained to people in private that he didn't get a right back in the defensive midfielder that he wanted. Okay? So, Ranić came out, wanted a striker, didn't get one. 
man, come on. You don't this even have to be that intelligent. You? So yes, so they'll if, give they'll give Ten Hag some money this summer. But, man, but when you say some money, so yeah. do we not need to be putting performances in on the pitch that bring us back to Champions League level? Oh, of course. That man. isn't gonna just take some money. Well, but they have to understand the Glazers will go out and spend players this summer with a view to finishing top four. Not to catch Liverpool, not to catch City. And if they get that goal, they're going to say, build on what we gave you last season. We'll give you a couple of players to turn up the squad, but that's it. Right? But going by what, what Rannick said is, is that we need to be competing with, mm. with Liverpool and City if he's on board with it. That's what Rannick says. So, so you don't think Rannick has any real input into what happens this summer then? He's just well, he clearly it. doesn't. I mean, he asked for a striker four months ago when he needed one. They said no because they wanted to give the new manager that money this summer. I mean, if he was had a major role in what was going on at Manchester United, burn man con by January, Rangnick wasn't doing too bad. If you look at his record, right? I mean, if you look look, look at his record before that Newcastle game, he wasn't doing too bad. And there was plenty of reason to think that he could finish top four. But what they do, they looked at what they had and said, we get enough here to finish top four. Just like when Ferguson left, they overestimated the quality of the squad. And again, after Solskjaer, after Mourinho, all of this, right? So, so what, what's the maximum amount of signings you think we'll make this summer? Four. Four? Where? Mm-hmm. I think they'll sign a striker. I think they'll sign a defensive midfielder, centre-back, um, possibly another midfielder. So you don't you don't think they'll they'll at, at, in any way buy a right back or a left back where we're really struggling? I mean, left uh, back. I do not see a left back happening. Do not see a left back happening. Out when I was saying possibly another midfielder, it was 50-50 between that and the right back. The problem with the right back column is you need you're going to need to go out and spend really good a decent a, a decent amount on a good right back because they don't come cheap and. Uh, what I can see United doing is James Garner will be an option for United next season, midfield to make up the numbers. Uh, I can see them saying it's maybe a, a Dutch midfielder or someone from Holland, something like that. It'll not be anywhere near the Declan Rice level. Right? I can see them spending a decent amount on a striker, probably a Darwin Nunez or someone of that caliber. Right? Um, I don't want Richarlison, and I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but if Real Madrid are saying Mbappe, City are saying Holland, and you need to go after Sebastian Haller. I'm done no, with football. I can't, I can't see them I'm saying Haller, the although... <laughs> although Ten Hag... More drugs than Lance Armstrong, if I have some tenny, it's no way. Ten Hag's took him twice. So I, I could definitely see that happening as a backup striker. And see, to be honest, if it does happen, that's just the level that we're at at the moment. But well, that's I, I don't think... That's our own Sean Cooter. That's our own Sean Cooter. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm saying. This is the reality check that we have to have as United fans. Right? United are so far off being a top team. Right? Now, here's the thing. Ten Hag could come in this summer and improve a lot of the players United have. That's fine. It's not Ten Hag that I'm concerned about. What I'm concerned about is whether Richard Arnold is capable of holding the line behind him and making sure... All the Hawks inside Old Trafford, through muscle memory alone, aren't pressuring. We need to get this guy in front of this commercial, this guy in front of that, uh, this guy doing this, this guy doing this, this guy doing this, right? I mean, Richard Arnold, remember, was over meeting the Saudis, right, to get some of that money. So Richard Arnold's goal here 
is to find a way to make Manchester successful on the pitch so that the revenue continues and so that United fans aren't badger and sponsors online. So they badly need a narrative change. They badly need something to come in. I mean, you saw the debacle yesterday with United uh, social media tweeting about Ten Hag and the Ajax. I mean, it's, it is, and I feel sorry for the people that run that account, by the way. I know who does. Um, I think United made a mistake, but um, I'm, anyway, I'm not going to elaborate on that. But look, I, I feel sorry for people that run this account because it's an impossible job right now. There's nothing positive to tweet. Nothing. The only thing you can do is tweet old clips of a time when you needed weren't didn't, didn't resemble anything like this. I mean, it, it's not that you needed a seventh or whatever they are in the league. I don't care anymore. It's not that they lose games. It's the fact that the club completely lost its soul. Right, and it didn't need to because every single thing that's happened in Liverpool, at Liverpool could have easily happened at United, budgetarily, not a problem. But it was about decisions, right? It was about decisions that were made by the football club. They sat here, listen, when Mourinho was sacked, hmm. what's happening now should have happened then. Because they've, we've watched Liverpool win European Cups, Liverpool win leagues, City win leagues. It doesn't get any more painful than that. Now, imagine that happening at Real Madrid. Imagine Florentino Perez sitting there watching Barcelona and, I don't know, Valencia coming up. It would never happen. They'd have responded the first year in the transfer market. We're bringing in world-class players, world-class manager, and we're going to... I mean, Real Madrid aren't turning around and killing Mbappe going, yeah, well, Eden Hazard didn't work out, so we're done with those world-class signings. Well, that's true, but do you not think that then there's going to be a shift in momentum this summer and United are just going to go, you know what, we need to go all out. We nope. need to make nope. big sentence. You, nope. you, there's no chance. Nope. Absolutely not. See, there's there's a hope in me. I'm going to bet you, thing. I'll tell you what, yeah. I'll bet you £500 on any charity you want that that won't happen. Well, where, where does the buck stop on this bet? Well, here's the thing. What I just said... United will saying pretty good striker, something like a, like a 70, 80 million pound striker. And then the rest will be spread out over three, four players, probably 70 million, something like that. So you think 150 million, like surely mm-hmm. people, like me and you both know it's so hard to people high up in the club not realize that we need to be spending well, they will. Million this summer. First of all, come. If you go to Glazer and send me 300 million, what would you do with the last bit? And I give you. Secondly, um, well, there's lots of really good people inside the Manchester United that know what we know, but they have no control. This is what I'm saying. This comes from the top down. I mean, just think about this for a minute. Do you really think the Glazers are sitting there in Florida saying, you know, we're going to we're gonna play football manager. Let's go get Declan Rice. Let's go get uh, Donovan Nunez, Harry Kane, whatever you want. And just keep, because we're, we're bad right now. You think they're sitting watching the Brighton game last Saturday going, fuck is this anymore? I can't even watch it. They get excited. They get a hard on at different results, right? They get a hard on at profit and loss columns. These are people, this is a personality trait. 
These are people that don't think like you and me. We're football fans. We think in terms of football and, and what we see on the pitch. And we have a completely different relationship with Manchester United than what they do. These are people, they didn't buy Manchester United because they love football. They didn't buy Manchester United because they care about the well-being. If they cared about the well-being of the football club, one, they'd have sold it long ago. Two, if they were going to keep it, they'd have completely changed the structure long ago. They never have tolerated what's going on now. Never. This United are being destroyed because of one family's view of how this football club should be run. A hundred years of history and tradition burned, torn up, thrown out because we own your football club and we are going to use it as a vehicle for profit. And I don't care what you say. And I get, I get it, Ringer Sham. But so that's why this is here. Look, take a look at United's history. Right? It's not an accident that the worst Premier League season happened under the Glazers' ownership. Yeah. Right? There's no excuse for that. None. But that's why I, I'm hoping for like a knee jerk reaction mm. and that. They sit down this summer at their end of year meeting and say, you know what, we need to spend big. We need to go out and spend 300 million. I know the reasons why you're saying that isn't going to happen. But I'm hoping, there, there is a hope in me as a United fan that this summer there's just some sort of knee-jerk reaction and they know they need to spend big. They know that we need six, seven players. I'm not saying that's definitely going to happen. And to be honest, Absolutely I would be very happy if we spent 100 million on four really, really good players that solidified this team. Because a hundred million got, each, or huh? hundred million each, or what? That's what I'm saying. Like, if we spent <laughs> three hundred million on four players, what's that? Seventy-five million each, something like that. If we spent that on four <laughs> players, I would be happy. Yeah, me too. I man. know, I know the reasons why you're saying it's not going to happen, but I'm hoping for a knee-jerk yes. reaction. There has to be something that this has to stop. Uh, like I said earlier, mate, you don't even need to be in the know to know what's going to happen. Okay, so. You need only look at the past as a good as predictor of the future. And United are in a mess, right? But when you look in comparison to previous seasons, not the first time they finished at, say, top four. It's not the first time they've had to sit and watch Liverpool and City dominate, right? So what you and I heard on a level, because we have an emotional commitment to Manchester United that is not related to profit. If you and I bought a, I don't know, New York Yankees, right? Now, I don't watch baseball. I don't really know anything about it. My commitment, I don't really care if the New York Yankees hit 40 home runs, but at the end of the year, I don't make any money, right? Or win the World Series or whatever. We lose 100 million, but we won the World Series. That's a hollow victory to me. That's exactly how these people feel, right? Because if I sat in front like you right now and I said, Joel, envelope number one, we have a profit of 100 million. Envelope number two, we lost 100 million, but we won the quadruple. Which one do you want, boss? What do you think he's picking? I know what he's picking. Of but, course. But so that, that tells you where priorities lie. That tells you what matters most to them. Which one would you and I what? pick? Well, I would definitely pick a good okay. dribble, but th- this is... We've got to move on, because we're ripping the arse of it, but yes, go ahead. The, the last thing I want to say on it is, there has to be, like, I don't want this to be doom and gloom for every person listening to this, there has to be some sort of hope 
that things change this summer, that there's an injection of cash into the squad, that they realise that we need to be putting in performance on the pitch, which will drive the commercial revenue higher, that there's going to be a necessity that we make Champions League next year. All of this has to add up, and someone with a bit of brains who is on that board, who is around that Glazer family, has to try and make that decision. I'm hopeful, and I understand why you're saying there's not, but let's move on. Yeah, see, we're left to guess because they don't talk to you. They don't talk to United fans, right? So we're left to fill the gaps and hopes and maybes. Uh, all I will say is it is encouraging to see United make a lot of changes right now. And it does seem to me that there is an acknowledgement internally that a lot of things need to change. The priorities of the football club won't change, right? But... The question is, can you United thread that needle between being a business that prioritizes profit, but also can be a successful football team? You could certainly be a lot more successful than what they're doing. But remember, every problem they're trying to fix, they created every single one of them. So <clears throat> let's see what happens. Um, other things I want to talk about, of course, some of these potential signings. Uh, Pau Torres is obviously someone that are looking at. Um, you know, young, good centre-backs been on the radar for a, top, a number of top clubs for a long time. That would also suggest to me that Eric Bailly badly needs to leave a football club. Um, while Eric Bailly signed a new contract last season inexplicably. Uh, and so I think um, he needs to leave the football club. I think United can find a bar for him and probably find a 20, 25 million um, bar for him, which wouldn't be bad business. Uh, Phil Jones needs to be moved on. And I think Harry Maguire will obviously stay. But if a power Torres was to be signed, really interesting to see who would start at centre-back. I also feel that he would be available at a price that would fit United's budget. So and I think we could use Bay to get him as well, because I'd say Bay probably go back there. Possibly. That uh, may be an option. Um, I think United are also encouraged somewhat by the... Uh, Wage savings, of course, <clears throat> a lot of players leaving, but that'll get eaten up quickly with new new signings. Um, what also really needs to change is high players are incentivized. The other players are massively overpaid. Uh, you take a look at United's wage bill in comparison to the rest of world football, and you look at clubs that have shoestring budgets that are able to get to the latter stages in Europe, like Villarreal and other teams. Uh, what United's wage bill represents and what they get is a disgrace. Right? That is absolutely unbelievably appalling ineptitude. And so I feel um, that has to change. Uh, I think um, the other thing that I wanted to mention was Jesse Lingard's moan. Now, did you remember the, the, send, the send-off that Roy King got? This has is, this is really annoyed me because I feel like Jesse Lingard has got this, and I really like him, you know, but I think he's got this victim mentality. And I think when you're in that victim mentality mindset, you just don't care about anyone else other than yourself. I think his brother, is it his brother who's a spokesperson or whatever he is for him? He, isn't. he needs to be binned. He's caused more problems than enough for Jesse Lingard. I think, you know, Roy, Roy Keane put it right, uh, or Guy Neville put it right, sorry, saying that, you know, some of the biggest players at this club never got a send-off. And that's a fact. And of course, that Van Nistelrooy got a send off. I was actually at his final game though. He he stormed down the tunnel against Charlton. Didn't really get a send off. I think he played a few minutes in that game. Um, Brian Robson, Steve Bruce, they didn't get get send offs. 
Well, it's why, why does Jesse Lingard think that he, he deserves a send-off? What has he done for the club to think he deserves a send-off? A few goals in the FA Cup? Also to assume that the United fans would worship him. It speaks to the entitlement problem inside the football club. It speaks to an attitude problem inside the football club. It speaks to yeah. the weakness, right? That this is somehow a community outreach program and everyone gets a game. Everyone gets some time to kick a ball. Go, Jesse! Right? If United had a sold Jesse Lingard in January, like he wanted, on, on deadline day, I don't think he was focused on his send-off then. I don't think he cared about it then. Right? Certainly it wasn't. But you know what? I'm not going to Newcastle till I get a chance to say goodbye to these fans. He didn't care. So I have no, no sympathy for that whatsoever. And so, to me, speaks to the entitlement problem. He's very close with Pogba and all that. All those players desperate to leave. Um, <clears throat> and as much as they should leave, as we said, and I don't want to be repetitive, it really needs to be looked at at why everyone, why does everyone want to leave? Uh, <clears throat> I do feel badly sorry for a lot of United fans who have to go to these games and watch this. Manchester United used to be something that was a wonderful distraction from the problems of life. Something that a temporary piece of entertainment, enjoyment in your life to distract you from all the misery that's going on everywhere else. And now, I don't even want to watch them because it's like finding your brother or your sister under a bridge as a heroin addict. It's just heartbreaking. You're looking at them and you're going, this is so painful for me to watch this football club get humiliated every single week. It, 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 it's killing me. It's very, very difficult to watch. I think that the hardest thing was how we could beat against Brighton. Like, I, I don't think I've ever watched the United match where we've just laid down like a... Like, I didn't I'm not saying I, I can take, but like I was there whenever we played Liverpool and we got tanked. And like it felt bad, but you knew Liverpool were a good side. Brighton are terrible. Like terrible, and we lay down every single player on that pitch. Was it a disgrace? It was just like I've never seen anything like it. And it was just like thinking back to, to the times whenever we used to laugh at the Arsenal's or the Liverpool's, they weren't that bad, they really weren't that bad. We used to, to take the piss out of Liverpool, we used to take the piss out of Arsenal, and they were not half as bad as what we were. There needs to be a serious change, and soon. Yes, there does need to be a serious change. And uh, to me, I think, you know, it's encouraging to see the club and the automatic cup scheme. Um, I think the club needs to do more for the fans. And, you know, I think um, the other to thing... To be honest, though, they've got us in a, in a bit of a, a headlock with that anyways because it affects your away allocation if you opt out. So it's it's six of one. Yes, it's giving you... In your mm -hmm. hand saying, oh, you can you can opt out of this. But by the way, we're taking off your away allocation. You're not eligible for away. So to be honest, for someone like me, it's it's not beneficial at all. Well, the other part of this is, um, you know, when you look at the uh, FA Youth, Youth Cup and everything, the attendance which is truly incredible. Um, you needed need to badly do something for the fans. That, um, because the football club without them is irrelevant. And they're the most important part of this entire um, this entire problem. Without them, the fans are everything. 
people inside the football club are tampering employees. They'll come, they'll go, they'll leave, they'll go somewhere else, they'll go to another football club. They leave Manchester United behind when they leave. These are people, by the way, the feel, not all of them, but some of them, that 99.9% of the criticism for United fans is unfair. And I would think that too if I wasn't a Manchester United fan and didn't understand why they were hurting. Right? And if I felt that me as a senior employee at Manchester United is more important than every single fan because I run the football club, then you can understand why they think they shouldn't be criticised. But Manchester United are being run into the ground by people who believe their ideology is more important than the football club, more important than the well-being of the football club, and more important than what the fans want. Because the fans are never considered. Never. I mean, they, they get these sound bites and platitudes and commitments to do things, they promises they don't keep. Uh, but they're almost never considered in any of this. And that's something that has to change. I know they've got the fan forums and everything else, well, there is some dialogue between uh, the Glazers and the fans and what have you, but there has to be timelines put on the implementation of these promises. And so there never is, but we'll see. Anyway, mate, I didn't mean to take up 90% of this podcast to be in the Woodward thing. Um, so apologies <laughs> to all of you tuning in, probably rolling your eyes going again. I promise to leave that alone going forward. Um Lots of things we uh, I wanted to cover, uh, haven't got a chance to cover, but uh, we'll be back next week, of course, another podcast. Uh, what will be after the Crystal Palace game, be after the last game. Uh, what do you expect in this last game? It's been some hard desire. Play for every man on the pitch. Play for every supporter that went to every game this year that really we shouldn't have turned up to, that we still turned up to. Just show a bit of what it is to play for Manchester United. That's all we're asking. We shall see what happens. Come, leave it there, mate. Thanks to all of you for tuning in. Thanks for everything, uh, folks. Thanks for all the downloads, likes, retweets. Don't forget, folks, BTP, if you can spare a few pounds, dollars, cents, whatever it is. Uh, our shirts are for sale. 100% of the proceeds go towards mental health. So if you can you can, you, you, you can put your hand in your pocket and, and spurs if you change, uh, we'd be much appreciated. So, come, all the best, mate. Thank you very much. Thanks, Matt. See ya. Bye.